Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Bases loaded and one out. Oh my God! Deep to right field, way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome in everybody to episode one thirty. That's one three zero of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And today we are talking best ball. And what I mean by best ball is, I honestly don't know much about best ball. I've played in two drafts. I'm somebody who's been playing fantasy baseball for a long time. Best ball is a newer format, and I can't tell you enough about it. So what I did is I went out into the depths of Twitter. I found somebody who's pretty much embraced best ball and really made it their own. And this is the host of the Fantasy Best Ball Exclusive Podcast, Brian Seymour. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian J. Seymour. You can follow the podcast Twitter at Fantasy Best Ball One. That's Fantasy Best Ball One L with the number one at the end. Brian, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for joining us. Mike, much appreciated, man. Thanks for having me on. I, I, I've always wanted to ask you, what, where did uh, Sleepy, Sleepy K come from? What, what is that from exactly? I missed that. <laughs> um, I, I love this. Um, so basically, long story <laughs> short, I fell asleep podcasting. While you were on a podcast. Well, the good news is, is it was my podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so we'll do this quick. Tangent. That's way better than anything I expected. I wasn't sure what it was going to be, but that's actually way better. It was, um, I'll set the mood because, I mean, most people here have heard the story, so I won't, I'll keep it short. But uh, long story short, I was talking to one of my co- regular co-hosts, George. And this is before, we, I, I, right now you see we're, I'm doing a video. And this has yeah. helped me make it more personable with who I'm talking with. And you kind of have more mm-hmm. of a conversation. It's really enjoyable. And I always shout out Nick Pollock. Nick Pollock was the first person to ever come on my show video with a video. And I was like, sure, this is what we're doing. Next thing you know, it's way preferred on my end. Anyway, before yeah. those days, though, I used to do them just like anybody else, you know, no video, just recording. Well, it's one in the morning, one thirty in the morning. We're talking deep league shortstops and JP Crawford was being spoken about. And as my co-host was talking, I laid back, closed my eyes. Next thing you know, 30 seconds goes by. I hear hello. I'm like, oh, my bad. I just <laughs> fell asleep. That recording never made the air. Air. I'm gonna have to try to find it. I have no idea where I'll find it, but it was one. Of those well, I mean, that- if you're talking J.P. Crawford, I don't really know how much I can blame you here. <laughs> At one thirty in the morning. So yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was nice. yeah exactly. I won't forget. It's funny. It's like, and of course, somebody who as someone who podcasts, you can appreciate the story a little more. You can kind of laugh at it, but so it's kind of and what happened was I was in a league like a, a analyst league like a private league we were doing on a MVC and Ralph Lipschitz actually gave me the nickname because it's not like a, a apparently like a 90s oh, okay. rapper or something like that so knowing Ralph yeah I, that's over my head. I'm not too sure I only know a few 90s rappers well but. he he says it sounded like that type of like it was a rap name oh like, I got gotcha. you Sleepy I gotcha. K would be like a 90s rap name <laughs> and he's into that type of genre music so it goes yeah. well with Ralph and then it was just a lot of fun so yeah that's I've kind of just, I, I've owned it I got it I even got a, a Mariners jersey with Nice. CBK on there and everything, man. So yeah, I've kind of, like I said, I've <laughs> taken it over. But now that we're done 
I told you there'd be at least one tangent time with Mike today. There's our tangent. <laughs> I brought it up. So <laughs> yes, but um, but we are gonna focus on best ball formats. And again, I brought you on because you do some great work. You have a really good podcast, and your voice is silky smooth, my friend. So <laughs> I got called buttery earlier today by the SP streamer guys. So I I don't know which I like better. Buttery's kind of nice too. I don't know. It is, but I appreciate. But, but silky smooth is. I wouldn't say Kenny G-esque, but I already gave that the DVR. But you are the closest uh, thing to DVR. You do have a DVR-ish voice, which Mike has said in the past. And I can hear it yeah. now that I've talked to you and, and I've listened to your podcast. Now that he said that, I can't <laughs> unhear it, actually. Like, <laughs> and the DVR thing is not intentional. I was, uh, believe it or not, just born with this voice. Oh, well, my goodness. I mean, I was a baby. That'd be interesting. <laughs> if I actually came out of the womb, you know, that'd be quite interesting but yeah like, i think you would freak some people out you know benjamin button style <laughs> um yeah, right. but anyway let's get to it what is best ball just the very very like just what is it this put it in simplest forms for people like me to understand so uh the biggest thing is that these are automated lineups and i remember even back in the day i used to think why the hell would i want to just like draft a team and never manage it throughout the year that didn't really sound like that interesting to me but um, you see the merits of it, and we'll get into this, why you play it, but the merits of it so you can kind of draft a lot of leagues, and so the draft is kind of even more important than maybe a, a league that's managed during the year. So essentially, you're drafting on a platform, and your optimal lineup will be selected every single week, and... Um, you compete against the other players in the league. So it's really only ever the draft. You never have to set your lineup or anything. You're compiling a very large roster. Um, usually, they're usually pretty deep because, again, you're never going to touch these again, kind of like a draft and hold, except you're, you're not setting a lineup. So, yeah, that's basically it. It's automated lineups. They're always points. Um, there are a couple formats out there that actually do cat like roto categories, which I, is kind of – kind of hard to duplicate with best ball and i'm not a huge fan of it but they're usually going to be points leagues i got you so that's going to be interesting to talk some little we're going to talk a little bit about strategy as well but you mentioned the whole i'm trying to try to remember which way i was going with this i completely blanked on where i was going with this but <laughs> i don't know i just i find it so intriguing making no moves and all that but there are you oh i think yeah. what i was saying was you said points leagues are they head-to-head -head, like weekly or is it like you against the whole league every week like how does that go it's uh, there's no no there's no head to head factor. It's basically so the periods I guess you would say are weekly. So mm -hmm. for example, if you have uh, we'll say three catchers on your roster, JT Rail Muto and Jose Trevino and Jacob Stallings or some you know getting to the bottom of the barrel. Mm -hmm. If you have three guys, whoever has the best week that week will be your quote unquote starting catcher that week. Obviously in that scenario it'd be Rail Muto usually, but. Um, yeah, so it's, and then you compile week to week, your total points and statistics throughout the season, whoever is, you know, at the top of the heap at the end of the season, based on that is the winner of the league, essentially. So it is your cumulative amount of points, but it's by weekly periods. So it's that, not it's almost as like if, Roto, it almost meets like a Roto aspect in a sense, because since there's no head to head actual. Yeah, so it's kind of I, I kind of like that. I like the whole idea of because I'm okay with points leagues. What I don't like about points leagues, the big turnoff about points leagues for me has always been the head-to-head -head luck. 
So if you take away the yes. head-to-head aspect, there's still very much a strategy for this, which is a lot of fun because, again, it takes the points leagues, it takes the road leagues, and it kind of meshes the two. And that, to mm-hmm. me at least, personally is very intriguing. So I, I decided to give it a shot again this year. But we're playing on fan tracks. I know there's BB10s and other stuff like that, so maybe you can elaborate on that. But besides NFBC and fan tracks, are those kind of the two main platforms? And if so, what's the big difference? Which one do you prefer? We can go that route. Those are the two. Yeah, those are the two main ones. Fan tracks really, I don't want to say they're the first ones ever to do best ball for baseball, but um, they've definitely made the best product, and it was very early on. Uh, most people that you pull on this question, matter of fact, um, man, I'm blanking on who actually did the poll. Oh, it was a few weeks back, actually did a poll on where people prefer to play and what fan tracks won pretty overwhelmingly. So um, you've got fan tracks and then you've got the BB tens, which I guess technically are not the NFBC. It's, it's fan ball after they merged and married kind of under that umbrella of sports hub. Um, But again, Derek and everybody are working on it. So it's, it's pretty much the NFBC, but um, so you've got those, the BB tens. And I do make a distinction between that and the NFBC because the NFBC this year and especially well last year and especially this year have now created their own separate best balls. Um, the 150 and $400 entries, um, a, a higher stakes level where the rosters are a little bit deeper. So yeah, it's, it's really expanding now. Um, most players are going to do fan tracks or BB tens because of the sheer volume. I think that you can draft. There's going to be more leagues that go off and are participated in throughout the year um as far as my preference it's really narrowed between fan tracks and bb10 and i love what the nfbc is offering now too but i'm a super high volume player as i've kind of said in the past so i really focus on slightly lower entries and i get in i mean it's going to be hundreds of leagues (laughs) this year but uh yeah fan tracks and the bb10s it's pretty close honestly for me between them maybe a slight tip of the cap to fan tracks i would say but they are pretty vastly different products, which we'll get into too. But yeah, I like both of them for sure. Well, if you want to get into them, I mean, we can kind of just dive right into like what the big difference is and why your preference might lie slightly towards Fantrax. It's, um, yeah, so th- there's a few. So fa- I'll just start with Fantrax. Fantrax okay. are deeper rosters, which... Uh, You have 40-man rosters, which is very nice. I want to have deeper rosters because of the fact that it kind of allows you to accrue more of that, I'll say, perceived value based on your draft board throughout the draft. The deeper that you're kind of penetrating the MLB player pool, the better I feel about my team because I I, I know the player pool and I want to get more value as the draft goes on. Um, You start – the lineups are very close to the classic NFBC. Um except it's one catcher. Uh, Oh, the other detail, it's not middle infield and corner infield. It's actually three utilities. So uh, there isn't too much of a kind of positional adjustment. Um, Every position's eh, weighted relatively the same. Catcher obviously falls quite down with only starting one, which (laughs) a lot of people love not starting two catchers, obviously. But uh, then you start nine pitchers. Um, The other nice thing with the scoring on fan tracks is there is an OBP component because they award rightfully. So in my opinion, points for walks, which is very cool. Um, what, you know, kind of captures the hitters skills a little bit more. Um, that's pretty much it with fan tracks. You're starting nine pitchers and you're usually going to, 
you're usually going to see an average split of 23 hitters versus 17 pitchers as far as what's drafted with your 40-man spots. Um, and, yeah, that, that, that's probably my, my preferred. Now, the BB10s, you're only looking at 32-man rosters, so a little bit less. These are all 12-team leagues also. Um, where this gets really funky, though, is the starting slots. So these are also one catcher, first, second, third, short, two outfielders, a, a one utility, and four pitchers. That's the entire starting. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, unique. Um, now, percentage-wise, it kind of matches the NFBC, although it doesn't actually have all of those positions. It still pretty much matches the percentage of what you're starting on an NFBC roster. So you're starting only 12 total guys, and you've got then a 20-man bench at that point. Um, and the, the, the differences here are basically, it's a little bit more of kind of a, uh, a volume game, I guess you would say, because there's so few starting spots. You're going to have so many guys on the bench that can contribute from week to week. Um, and yeah, the split you're looking at with the hitters and pitchers, you're probably going to be more at like, I've seen an average from 10 to 12 pitchers get drafted. And again, there's four starting pitcher spots. And then you're looking at um, anywhere from 20 to, well, 18 to 20 then batters getting drafted. So quite different, pretty unique. A lot of people, I think, were very confused with it when they first saw it. But the scoring is basically the points conversion of 5 by 5 Roto. And shout out to Todd Zola. And actually, I don't know if you're familiar with KJ Duke, but he's a longtime NFBC veteran. And uh, they were – Zola was actually instrumental in creating the cut line scoring which they then kind of adapted to the BB10s. So, yeah, it's, it's very highly cor uh, correlated to the 5x5 uh, Roto. Yeah, it's a lot of information to take in there. But, man, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's the same idea but brought to you in two different ways. And one might cater to, you know, shallower formats. Like more of like you mentioned, smaller rosters is easier for someone to maybe get into, give it a shot first. And then obviously fan tracks, the deeper rosters translates to us DC. Like I play a lot of DCs. I'm big on the DC format. It's one yeah. of my favorites. So like playing in these, anything that involves me going deeper into the player pool, I feel like gives me an advantage. So I've enjoyed this best ball league I'm in now because now we're getting to that point in the draft where I still recognize players. And unfortunately I'm playing with a bunch of people that probably also recognize players, but typically, <laughs> right. but typically that would be where my advantage lies is the player pool. So yeah. Yeah. But, now here's your pitch. Give your go ahead and pitch it to people why they should be playing these, or get, at least give them a shot. What you think about, like what, why they could be maybe good, not just for your like like I said, a seasoned player like myself or you or you. How I just mentioned how it's good for me maybe because I play in a lot of leagues. So mm -hmm. anytime I could draft more and not have to pay attention, that's at least the one benefit I've noticed. But I'm sure there's others, so I'll let you go ahead and speak on those. Yeah, so I, I will say that my reason for playing it is somewhat unique, and frankly, I don't think it appeals to tons of people out there but mm -hmm. i've i've kind of met a nice circle of people that it does like uh derek rhodes who was really um a pretty big catalyst for me starting my podcast because he was a similar player to me yeah. but um I, I play it personally because you can play a very high volume of leagues and i am all about mitigating risk across my fantasy baseball investments and that word investments is exactly why i do this i am not interested in overall prize pools or leagues where the rake by the website is so high because they need to actually take more money to put in an overall prize pool. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in lottery tickets or anything like that. And I want to 
preface this by saying I'm not like insulting anybody that does. There are some incredible people that play NFBC oh, main events. Sure. <laughs> smarter than I will ever be amazing. I, man, I can't tell you the amount I've listened to Dave McDonald and Maddie Williams lately. Like I just soak in all this player knowledge and it helps me so much. Um, but I'm just not interested in giving up money like that. Now <laughs> I do understand, and maybe they have bigger bankrolls in me too. I don't know what it all is. I mean, I, I could get in a few main events if I, if I really did want to, but as far as, the financials of it, you know, you're, you're losing out such a large cut of money. And I'm just, I don't think that, I think, I'm not saying that the winner of the main event, for example, is a lucky player, but there's luck involved. You're not going to be, you know, 500 other competitors without some luck also, of course. Of so course. I'm not interested in that. I want to be in lots of different leagues and the return on investment is freaking fantastic. There's nothing wrong with, not only is there nothing wrong, it's actually amazing to, to even have a 50% ROI from a fantasy sport. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the stock market. An optimistic projection is 10, you know, an average projection is 8%. So you're not, you're not going to get things like that. And I, I'm confident enough in my drafting ability, player analysis, um, game theory, roster construction, whatever you want to say to be able to, well, last year, for example, which I got to admit, I was afraid of the 60 game season when these leagues were going to move forward because mm -hmm. um, I'm like, man, I did these drafts months ago. It's it's 30 percent of a normal season. I, I'm afraid of what I'm going to get here, but I still had a 75 percent ROI. So Derek Rhodes did far better than me. I think he was nearly 200 percent, which is freaking insane. That is absurd. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of like. I understand why people wouldn't have a propensity towards it because I mean, I'm, I'm going to be in drafts constantly from November through March, hoping and praying that the season starts in April. Yeah. But you know, it, it's um, that's basically it for me. It, it is literally a money-making endeavor and investment for me. And I, I, I also come from a, a bit of a sports betting background, which I've talked to MLB moving averages, John, oh, about too. He's yeah, a, he's, he's a, he's a mind to pick and a lot. He's always has a oh, lot to say. I love John. No doubt. The energy though, is too. crazy with him. He's he always up here. He's always up yes, here, man. I know. I love him. For I that, love though. him. Now Same, put me and him absolutely. in a room together. Like if you, you can go back. It's never going to end. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it's who can be out loud, like who can out loud who. Like, I mean, me and him get worked mm -hmm. up. He says something, I come over top, and then he's screaming. You know, we're both screaming, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> him and I mix well, I think, because I'm I'm more of the uh, introverted, quiet type, really. But uh, he actually was the first real guest on my podcast, um, so that was very cool. But um, yeah, it's it, that's what it's about for me, though. And I know that that sounds kind of I don't know nihilistic or cold or whatever. That it's just about money for me, but it really is. I love it. I mean, it's an activity I obviously love. I wouldn't. I think you got to have passion to do something like that, um, regardless of if it is some money-making vehicle or not. Um, but if I weren't good at it and unable to make money from it, I would not be doing it for sure. So that's my pitch. That's my kind of vehicle for it. That's not why you have to do it. I know people use it for practicing instead of mock drafts and stuff, and that's fine and getting familiar with the player pool. But that's what it's about for me anyway. I think this this format would really appeal to the players that – Honestly, you mentioned you kind of hit nail on the head in terms of just finances. Not everybody has the money to enter these big leagues. Not everybody has right. the money to even enter. Hey, I play home leagues that are a hundred bucks a pop, and that could be expensive for some people. That used to be expensive for me. I've built my bankroll up over the years to be able to afford it, but 
that's mm-hmm. a lot of people play in 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, you know, up to $50 leagues. And that's fine. Play what you enjoy. First off, that's honestly the most important part too. But if you are really good at drafting and you find yourself draft out drafting your play your friends every year, but then you're really bad at in-season management, this is definitely for you then, because not only can you still have fun and follow it to a point, because obviously you don't need to once you finish drafting, but you get to kind of do what you're good at and be rewarded for it. Whereas mm-hmm. the waiver wire, like, I don't know about you, but like home leagues, I hate trades now. I used to love trades, oh, yeah. but, but now I've realized trades can ruin a league because there's guys legitimately this happened, I think, last year. Shane Green, or two years ago, Shane Green, when he, remember that strong start he had for the Tigers? He yeah, went, yeah. He, he got traded for an injured Clayton Kershaw before Kershaw returned in one of my home <laughs> leagues. And, but here's the thing. I don't, believe, I don't believe in vetoes, and I know these guys over the years of playing with them. So there was no, you know, so you let the trade go, even though it's a terrible trade, and it hurts the right. balance of the league a little bit because vetoes are only meant to be, you know, put into that into things when it's obvious collusion unfortunately <laughs> this wasn't collusion this was just stupidity but yeah exactly <laughs> but with that said that's what trade that's what home leagues end up doing there's a lot of like there's a lot of lopsided trading there's a lot of just people start giving up so the waiver wire is littered with talent and people get to capitalize all that next thing you know the person winning the league is, is a team who didn't even draft any players like their team look at their team it's like 60 percent turnover 70 percent turnover and mm-hmm. what I'm trying to get at is that if you just don't have the time in season, you work a busy job, you maybe you know you're moving in the middle of the season, like I just moved, and I'm telling you moving interrupted my whole football season, which I don't care because football stinks. This is baseball. Perfect. <laughs> but yeah. in, in all seriousness, though, this really appeals. To, and that's why this appeals to me because that's why DC's appealed to me. I can make time to do once yeah. a week transaction, uh, once a week lineup sets, or sorry, twice a week, but I don't have to worry about the waiver wire. Because waiver wire right, is very right. time consuming. So if you're looking oh, to yeah. add a few extra, if you're looking to add a few extra drafts, maybe a chance, and I think there is a really good chance that if you, again, if you're smart with the player pool, you make your money back at the very least in these formats. So that, I'm just stressing that if you're looking to probably make a few bucks, but at the same time, you mentioned risk, uh, risk, risk adverse. This is also very, very fantastic. I don't know. I'm trying to push this format as well a little bit because I think it's underrated and it's about to blow up and I want people to truly have an understanding. And again, that brings me back to why you're here. Cause this is your, this is your <laughs> bread and butter, man. And I'm glad we're here yeah. talking about this. Yeah. Well, again, I appreciate you having me on. I want to touch on something you said there too. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say this, I do suck at in season management. Like I am go. not good. And that's another reason that I do this too. I'm not good at, and I'll give you a great example that I've used before. I went to the NFBC. Have you ever been to an NFBC live event, by the way? No, I just got into the NFBC for the first time last year. And man, do I want to go to the live event, but I don't think I can make it out to Vegas from Florida, to be honest. It's yeah, tough. yeah. Well, yeah. Plus the current state of the country, but also, yes. um, but it is it, it, everything everybody says 100% true, especially if you do an auction. It is freaking fantastic. I a great experience. I loved it. Um, Greg and Tom are both awesome. But I was in an auction championship um, in 2016. And um, I, I drafted what I felt was $340 of value with my 260. And that wasn't pie in the sky type stuff. I mean, it, it was a good team. It was like a very veteran laden guys in their prime coming off a bad year type team. Um, this is 2016. So I had Justin Optin, Andrew McCutcheon and the outfield uh, prime buster posey that I got for 20 bucks. Cause people don't like to get catchers, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And you know, it shit the bed a bit. And um Justin Upton, I think, was hitting 190 through May, one of those type things, um, which now wouldn't be that big of a surprise, but then it was. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I had this guy valued at like a $20 player. When do I put in a backup? 
You know, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. If I had this guy in a 15-team league, that's a lot of players that you're drafting. I'm not taking a $20 player out of my lineup. You know, when do I actually do that? And that analysis and stuff like that is hard for me to do. Easier now than it was then, but still. I don't know when I'm going to take somebody who would have been like the 550th player drafted and put him in over the – 30th player drafted i mean it's just how how can i do that and not not only that you said the waiver wire and fab this is a comparison i make too. sunday night fab if you're in enough leagues is more stressful than going to work the next morning i mean it's absolutely stomach churning i don't want to do it i remember even being in five one year where i was like i don't want to do this stuff tonight man this is gonna be I, i mean it's it's stressful you know so that stuff's just really not for me anymore i don't think and you mentioned the fab part. It's like different players are available in different leagues. And then you have to see if there's like, obviously the better the player, the more money it's going to cost you. Then you have to actually look at your leagues too. Who has what money, who has what needs. If you're doing it right, you really got to analyze your league individually. That could take mm-hmm. hours, hours. Right. And right. that's why the big money leagues, it's an investment of not just money, but time. And that's a lot to do for a lot of people. So that's why NFBC formats and fab, I'd say any type of weekly fab format, is really tough for people. And I know majority of this show that honestly, most, most of the consumers of this show are more of the daily league, maybe weekly league types, no fab, waiver wires. So it's a little easier. And we usually cover a lot of that stuff, but we do have some that play those leagues. So this is honestly going to be helpful. And we're, we've talked mm-hmm. a lot about the ins and outs of best, best ball. Let's transition over to strategy. Are there some do's and don'ts overall that you kind of have when you enter a best ball draft? So I I put a couple down that kind of may be unique to because you're in a best ball setting. Now we'll talk other like draft strategy here and there too. But um, as far as a couple of do's, so you need to, uh, this is pretty obvious, but you need to back up positions. You know, um, you're looking at injuries, whatever else, you're never going to edit these lineups again. So um, for a fan tracks, for example. So let's just, let's just say, you know, we're talking catcher first, second, third, short, five outfielders and some utilities and stuff. The kind of rule of thumb on there is to have two backups at each infield position, um, minimum of one, uh, maximum of two. So you're looking at two to three catchers, first, second, third, and short, kind of depending upon the players that you get to begin with. Um, Derek Rhodes and I have discussed the strategy of, doing kind of a double tap on an infield position early on. Um, I find myself having the opportunity to do it with third base this year a lot where I can, I think the other day I did Jose Ramirez and then in like the fourth round I got Devers to where it's like no late third baseman is going to, going to um, replace their value. They're both so insanely good. Not only that, they're both, not really players that are going to get injured or anything like that. And they're both very, very good. I'm probably never going to need somebody to play over them. So sometimes when you do a little strategy like that, you can get away with just rostering two at a certain infield spot. Um, But yeah, you want to back them up with two, uh, one or two backups. And then in the outfield on something like fan tracks, you're starting five. You probably want to have a minimum of nine total outfielders. And, and that can even that can be a little risky. I, I like to because if you think about it, you're not even getting a backup for each outfield spot at that point. And 10 is what you would need. Um, but you are limited to 40 man roster. So you have to skimp somewhere. You got to that. That's part of the strategy. But um, 
So yeah, a do would definitely be make sure that you're drafting backup. See, I think I got another one there. Um, also drafting volume, uh, something that happens inherently if you kind of punch in projections into a value formula for best balls is guys who just play kind of get pushed up. Um, Herman Marquez is a great example of a pitcher who, you know, he's sometimes a streamer when you're in something like the NFBC because he's in Coors Field. He is a great pitcher. If this guy was in San Diego or something like that, the value would be big time, even in a Roto League. But Herman Marquez is like a compiler. The guy can throw 200 innings every single year, and you don't have to worry in best ball about, oh, man, he's in, in Coors against the Dodgers tonight. You know, you don't have to worry about that. It's just whenever he pitches, you, you need volume. So um, Fantrax also actually rewards points just for innings pitched. So that's another reason that drafting volume can really be important. And the fact that, again, you need those backups. Um, as far as a couple of don'ts, and this will disappoint some maybe more casual players, don't draft prospects. Um, I, not something I ever really was that enthralled with anyway, but, you know, even guys like a Wander Franco or Kellenic or like somebody who could come up this year and make a significant impact, they're going to get drafted and probably rightly so, but don't overdraft them. Um, and that's, you know, that should be the case really anywhere that you play, but again, you're never editing these rosters again. So don't take a flyer on a guy because you're really excited by him or something like that. Value them as they should be valued. If you're doing that, you're probably never going to roster them because somebody is going to get the shiny new toy disease and, and want to get one of those players. So that's the way it is. The other thing is um, strict platoon players. I would probably not focus on as much. I, the cool thing is with them is that um, – Again, you don't have to actually set a lineup, so you don't know when they're going to play. But if there's a guy who is maybe um, – you just know that he's going to be in a timeshare or something like that, and he's maybe the less skilled of the timeshare, that, that's kind of an avoid. You want to be drafting the skills first and foremost. So those are just a couple of general do's and don'ts, I would say. And, I mean, that's honestly helpful. I actually wrote down a couple mental notes for our own draft. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny, man, because honestly what I start what I'm realizing just as a, as a player now, because, you know, you take on this analyst role and you still yeah. play in leagues, but you, there's so much to learn just in general. And, man, like I, I embrace these new formats or newer formats because it's like I just want to be in touch with them because eventually best balls going to be enough of a of – a, of a, of a popular format and, and as well as cut lines, all these are becoming more and more popular. I got to be somewhat familiar with them so I can give analysis. I mean, don't get me wrong. You literally have a podcast dedicated to this stuff. So I, I won't stress it enough. People need to check out that podcast and we will definitely reiterate it at the end of the show. So people know where to find it. And I'll do it right now. Anyway, fantasy best ball exclusive podcast. <laughs> you can find it on Apple iTunes, uh, all the other stuff. So uh, you're available everywhere, right? Just about. It's everywhere. It, yeah, all the ones I know of anyway. I don't know anybody <laughs> yeah. who listens on. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but my, my point is though, is like, that's again, you have this niche and you cover these formats and they're becoming more and more popular. We don't cover it a lot. So I want to make sure if people are interested in those formats specifically, that they definitely come check out your work. But going yeah, back to what we were sure. talking about, I actually wrote down a question here. What, how does uh, positional eligibility uh, work here? Is there multiple? I noticed, at least in the fan tracks, I don't see any multi-positional eligible players. Is that like, is that just the way it's formatted You're in the correct. draft room? Okay. That's a, that's a kind of major detail I did leave out in describing the two. So you're right, fan tracks. And in a way, this actually brings clarity. Some people don't like this, but 
I do in a way that there is no multi-position eligibility in fan tracks. Um, there's also no utility spots. So everybody is forced, no utility designations, I should say. Nobody is able to be moved around. It will not change during the season based on where they play. Um, uh, for, as an example, J.D. Martinez and Jordan Alvarez, like they are outfielders. It will be outfielders the duration of the year. So a uh, friend of Reyes, same story. Um, they're not going to be moving from those spots. So again, in a way, this brings clarity because it's like, okay, well, now I know definitively how to kind of value the player pool at each position because this is static. These aren't going anywhere. I don't have to worry about should I include Mike Moustakis under second base or first base or anything like that. Um, you know, and there's not, you don't have to consciously put in maybe a little bit of a, a boost in value to a DJ LeMahieu, Tommy Edmond, whoever it may be. Now on the BB10s, uh, it matches the NFBC. So it, it is multi-position eligibility and it matches exactly the NFBC settings, which maybe, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is it seven games that they went with for the minimum for each position played for qualification for this year, I think? I believe I saw them mention seven because I was looking at a thread of how, and I think they chimed in and said they're going with seven games played. Yeah, I think you're right. So that is traditional. And the crazy thing about that for this year is that due to the COVID shortened season, there are, and, and the seven game minimum, there are a ton of multi-position eligible guys. Um, way crazier than it's ever been before. So that is a nice little benefit though on the BB10s. You can, that's, that's another little hack to get away from drafting those two backups at each position. Um, if maybe I started with an Ozzy Albies and then did get Mike Moustakis later on or something, um, I know I can pretty much, I might be able to be done with second base right there, you know? Um, or if you get a guy like a Jurickson and pro far later on who is second in outfield um, and think, okay, well, there's one last outfielder I may have to draft. So it helps you free up a tad more room to maybe tack on what I would usually do to take advantage of that would be to tack on an extra pitcher onto my roster or something. So yeah, that, that is a major, major difference between the two platforms. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, it's the one thing I will say, and I'm comfortable, I don't like to give edges away or anything like that. Not that I'm like some gigantic high stakes player or whatever, but like, um, I think that people do boost up the multi-position eligibility way too much in best ball though. Um, I get it a bit in like the NFBC where you're setting rosters and I do get it for certain guys where they're crossing positions. So the guys that you can put at a corner and middle, like the Cronenworths or the, like I said, Tommy Edmond or whatever that can go everywhere. Um, the thing is, though, sometimes they're pushing these guys up a couple of rounds because of that multi-position eligibility. And it, there's been some studies, and Todd Zola was kind of a pioneer of this, and I guess he couldn't totally quantify it, but it, it does look like that people are pushing them up a bit too much. Um, certainly helpful in best ball, but I'm not going to reach on a guy who is a significantly worse player than a higher-skilled one-position eligible guy, you know. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much how I approach it. It usually gets pushed up a bit too much. Well, if it makes you feel better, and I'm not sure it's going to, I'm going to say it anyway. When you get, and it sounds, I don't know if it's even going to sound right, but when you give that <laughs> advice to people, like I know I give advice about draft strategy and all that, and you just mentioned like that's kind of a good tip. 
you're still like 90% of the drafts you get into, you're still going to find that there's always at least one person that's not going to listen to what you said. So don't worry. Like, True. You, like you give this tip away, people might follow <laughs> it, but not enough to where it's probably going to affect your drafts. Unless it's an analyst draft where people listen to your stuff and want to mess with you. Then, then, yeah, then, yeah, then, right, you know, yeah. But I've noticed, so I've, I've noticed like I give, cause I always, I honestly, I've always been somebody that's been pretty transparent. I give away all my players yeah. alike, all my secrets, because I'm very, very big on value-based drafting. So you can have all mm-hmm. my players. You can reach for my players, because if you're willing to reach above what I'm willing to reach, then I exactly. wasn't. Then you deserve them. That's how I've always looked at it. So, because I'm willing to reach for my guys always, I'm, I'm willing to let people drop that I don't want. And there's times where it's like I'm at the point now though uh, where I'm almost considering if if I don't want a player, even if they drop, they have to drop a significant amount for me to take them because. I don't like the whole, I've done it in the past. I was talking to Simeone of all people. You mentioned SP streamer that mm-hmm. like I've, I've in over the last couple of years, I've made strides and just not taking players because just because they fell an extra round or two, because right. you have to remember ADP. I look at it like ADP is a tool, not a rule. So exactly. there's a reason why there's a minute and a max. So you see a player drop two rounds. That doesn't mean you have to take them. You have to focus on roster construction. And that, that applies mm-hmm. to any format. Roster construction is yes. key. But somebody who kind of uh, – this is a player I just wrote down thinking about is Otani because I see he's outfield eligible in best ball, which means his mm-hmm. pitching is not eligible, correct? Like you're not going to get those stats. I got to be honest with you. Um, I am a guy that I, I pretty much delete him from my player pool every year. I mean, I don't even focus on him because of how the rules change, like for each site and everything. Not only that, he's not really ever healthy and not even yeah. playing enough to be any good anywhere. But um, yeah, I, I, I actually, man, I, I don't want to butcher this. I think he is just outfield eligible on the B. I know on fan tracks, he's outfield mm-hmm. only. But I was talking with Derek Rhodes, and I've shot him out so many times. Follow <laughs> Derek Rhodes on Twitter at D-R-H-O-A. He's yeah. a CPA by trade, but he's also a, um, a great basketball player, good, great mind. But um, I, I, I want to say on the BB10s that even though he's only listed at outfield, whatever he happens to do that week may be able to count for pitching metrics. I don't want to speak out of turn, so don't take me on that. And, you know, he's one of these guys, like you said, I mean, he's one of these guys, it's just like a unicorn type situation that I'm just like, I don't want anything to do with this. I don't know. (laughs) And now it looks like he's not even going to really, I know they're saying he's going to pitch, but it's like, whatever, man, I'm not going to too risky, too much going on. A lot of weirdness, yet another um, unmitigated disaster by the Anaheim Angels. What else is new? But um, yeah, I just I don't know. I, I don't really want to touch any of that. But sorry, I don't know the exact rule. <laughs> no, no, it's fine because honestly, I feel like the rules change for him. No matter like depending on what league you're in or what format mm-hmm. you play in or what le- or what um site you play on. There's it's like Otani has his own set of rules everywhere you go. So I just thought I'd bring him up here because I noticed, like I said, specifically in fan tracks, you're only going to get the offensive stats, and that's something right. worth noting going into a draft on fan tracks but yeah yep. you know the big thing in roto and most podcasts if you listen to them the big thing is talking about steals saves etc cetera, etc cetera. can you essentially mm-hmm. ignore those i mean i know there's points to be had for them but could right. you not, maybe not ignore them but maybe knock down players like a mondesi type who's you know batted ball profile isn't that great isn't on base a ton but steals a ton or saves players that get saves because like i'll tell you what like in my best ball now i'm rambling because i'm good at it <laughs> my best no, ball it's draft, cool. i know where you're going with it i like it my, my best ball draft nine nine pitcher slots i have all starters filling it right now and i decided yeah. that mm-hmm. was kind of the way yeah. i wanted to go about it but there are saves on the board so isn't there a point where maybe the closers end up becoming valuable like we're out we're almost at pick 300 and kimball's out there 
And that could be, right. you, could, you yeah. can debate that maybe he's more valuable than what's available at starting pitcher. That's game theory. Mm-hmm. That's strategy talking now, but I will let, I'll mm-hmm. let, I will let you now get, get behind the mic and uh, discuss that a little bit. <laughs> well, no, you bring up a really good point. And um, so it's not necessarily that you're consciously saying, I don't care about steals or saves, I guess. I think it's more so just that if I could say this in a certain way, it's like in a roto league, it's that, you know, they are going to get pushed up and overvalued. And if I don't start with some guys that can chip in some steals, I'm really going to be in trouble later. Steals and saves both obviously do get rewarded points and both provide value in all of these best ball settings. What just kind of generally happens though, is a guy like a Mondesi who really isn't a good hitter. Um, gets pushed way down. Yeah, he does go a lot later. And he's even projected right now by Steamer to steal 54 bases, which is pretty insane even for a projection. And I know that that doesn't necessarily mean much, but um, he's actually projected to do a lot he's never even done before uh, on some of these projection systems. But um, yeah, it, it basically, yeah, they, they will get pushed down just for the simple fact that you don't need them in a category. It's just points. It's more linear. It's only points. I have a column where I have players, I have a column where I have their points projections beside it and what the dollar value is then based on the position that they play. So, you know, whether I'm getting X amount of points from Liam Hendricks or Marco Gonzalez, it doesn't really matter. And then if I, that's not actually a very good, let me give you a better starting, but like, I don't know, Kevin Gossman or something. If I put those two guys beside you, Kevin Gossman and Liam Hendricks, with the levels of volatility that at this very moment in December, they each could have coming into the season. What player would you rather have, assuming that the points projections are equal? I'm probably going to go with the starter. <laughs> just yeah, because the that, I agree there. with you. Maybe I should have given you a little bit. Of, I know Gossman, t- well, there I'm could not, be some risk. I would say I'm not a huge Gossman guy in terms of assuming that everything's just going to work out all of a sudden. I know he had a really yeah. good year, but I, I'm one of those that need to see a little more. So it's like Gossman mm-hmm, was good. Yeah. For me, that was a good example. That wasn't as easy as you might have thought it came. But I'm just going back to sticking to my strategy of I'm always – it's going to always, almost always be the starter for me because I believe in – like you mentioned, you, it goes back to your volume, the point that you yeah. made. You want volume because – and then two start weeks, and it's rare you get a three-save week, and three-save week is the only way to really justify having a closer over a starter. But, yeah, that, I understand what you were – I understand the point you were trying to make, though, because I think that was – personally, yeah. I think that was yeah. a good comp or a good uh, decision to make. but around, Yeah, like could go around the same area. Part of that too is that Liam Hendricks is a free agent. And who knows uh, what if somebody actually just signed him and made him a uh, setup man or something, which would be true. disastrous for anybody drafting him now. But um, yeah, I'm with you. What you're doing is usually what happens for me. I, I will either have universal starters. And again, not by choice, just because like, like you just said, uh, Craig Kimbrell, that could be a disaster. I mean, yeah, he was okay a little bit last year suddenly again. But, you know, uh, is he going to save 30 games and have great ratios? I, I certainly don't want to bank on that. And I'll take the steady starter who's been reliable over that any day of the week. So, um, yeah, they're going to get pushed down. There's more – what you're basically looking at is volatility levels. I'm never editing these rosters again. Do I want to get Hector Neris and just like hope that the Phillies, you know, stick with them all year long, or do I want to get a steady starter? So, um, yeah. And again, same with steals. You don't need to worry about drafting them early or anything like that. And again, this is actually all of this conversation is another reason I prefer best ball. I can focus more on if I want to get the better player at that point that has a less volatile profile 
well, I don't have to worry about getting stolen bases or anything. So, um, yeah, so essentially to answer the question, they, they do get pushed down, but it's not like I say to myself, no, he gets steals, I'm going to push him down. It's just that there's a lot of volatility and a high stolen base guy's projection that can't hit versus a guy who can hit, you know. I got you. So I think you covered most of it, but yeah, you actually covered most of the overall. Cause I have dotted here in the notes, overall preferred roster construction. I think you mentioned it, but if you had to put some meat and potatoes on like just overall, how many pitchers do you typically end up with? How many hitters in the majority of your drafts? And I guess we talked about, and just kind of go from there. Cause we talked about tar, uh, steals and saves and I guess OBP, we didn't really mention OBP, but you, you did in passing that OBP is more important, which again, rightfully so I agree. But um, at the end of the day, oh. if you're building a team, how many uh, pitchers yeah. and hitters do you normally end up with? So, yeah, on fan tracks, I, I kind of said earlier, it's looking at a 23-17 for hitters versus pitchers. And then on a BB-10, it's more like, uh, we'll say, 22 and 10 or like 21 and 11 or something like that. In terms of roster construction, something that's interesting, though, and um, you will see pretty – uh, widely, um, if you go on either one of these, if you would just randomly enter a couple of the BB10s and a couple of fan tracks, you'll notice that pitching on fan tracks is valued probably at the top, especially valued even more than in like an NFBC main event. Um, I've seen Luis Castillo go in the first round of this year. I've seen Aaron Nola go in the first round this year. Trevor Bauer, certainly. Um, yeah, you. I, I like – I don't have to have a rule necessarily, but generally I like to have like three starting pitchers out of my first six rounds anyway. Um, because it, you get to a place, this like kind of hellscape middle where you're like, I, I don't know who to draft here, man. Like it just kind of gets pretty ridiculous. And again, the else is valuing them that way. So, And the other thing with fan tracks, like I mentioned, is they do give points for innings pitched also. So pitchers are – highly valued there and if you don't come out of the gate knowing that i'm seeing some guys in these drafts right now and i don't know if they're trying a little trick and see how they do or if they think they have an edge because they'll certainly end up with some great hitters if you focus on offense early on but i'm seeing some of these guys not take a picture till round five and i'm like you, you probably lost the league already i mean you're <laughs> probably you're probably no higher than a seventh place finish already wow. i don't know what to tell you here um i don't know why they're doing that but you know maybe i'm wrong i i highly doubt it but then on the bb10s um it's it's going to be a little bit more I'd say kind of like NFBC. Um, you can get away with uh, focusing on hitters a tad more there. So it's not quite the alert with pitchers. But, yeah, fan tracks, it is very, very conducive to pitching. So um, I don't even think it would be that ridiculous of a thing if you got through 20 rounds and had 10 pitchers in fan tracks. I mean, you have some making up to do offensively. But I'm telling you, man, when you get to post-round like 25 or post-round 30 – and you're looking at like, okay, Chris Bubich or um, well, Madison Bumgarner still pitches. Uh, you know, I mean, it gets a little hairy in there. And you want to make sure these guys have a rotation spot. So I'm not yeah, exaggerating. You said those names. Those are names like at the top of my queue right now. And we're around 20. We're, entering around, <laughs> we're entering around 25. Well, we're entering yeah, around 25. Yeah. I have 11 starting pitchers, but I have way too much injury risk. So Mad Bum makes uh, a ton of sense. Although he has yeah. that injury risk. I think he's honestly safer than most people want to give him credit for. But he, but mm-hmm. you're banking on the innings pitched with him, not the, not the uh, production. So like, yeah. he's kind of the guy I'm like, I guess I'm doing this. I guess I'm taking this ride. Cause I know he's going to start. Exactly. I know he's going to play. 
but there's Edo 2.0, I guess. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Yeah, you almost hope like maybe that he goes and goes to one of those camps, you know, the um well, I can't uh, think of drive them, line. The drive line and stuff like that. Like yeah. I know Marcus Stroman, he's actually one of my favorites in these. I'm actually really liking his value because I know he's I do doing I, I know he's doing one of those camps this year and coming uh-huh. off of a year where like, people are like so concerned about innings limits. He's playing for a he's pitching for a contract. Plus, on top of that, um, you just have – I think pitchers are already gearing up. I think they already – or they know they have to start earlier this year to kind of get mm-hmm. their bodies into, like, pitching mode. So, I don't think innings limits are going to be as big of a deal. That, But that's just one of those debate debate topics that you're going to hear people preach it and you're going to hear people be, like, me, kind of anti that, that narrative because I think that right. the players and teams know better these days. Like, hey, if you care, start pitching now or start throwing now or – Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah, it, 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 it dries up really, really quick, and it, you're studying. I don't want to have to be sitting there making those decisions. You know, I took Jordan Lyles in a fan tracks the other oh, day. Oh, I, like, I love Lyles. <laughs> I actually, honestly, again, because of the volume game, and I, I think he'll probably pitch a lot. Not very well, maybe. I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, it's I don't ha- want to have to make tons of those decisions. And I guess personally I just find – I find a couple late-round values on some – kind of cruddy outfielders that I don't mind rostering and as opposed to pitching, which can be so volatile. So yeah, I hear you. It's um making those decisions is tough. And uh that's why I like to start off with a lot of pitching on fan tracks anyway. Well before I let you go, of course, we have to talk about yeah. a few names like the target late. We talked about this target is or not even late, just values. Sure. Are there a few names yeah. that you're willing to give out in terms of values, maybe some names you're avoiding as well? I don't know your list. I want to make everyone understand. I don't know this list. So I'm <laughs> I'm interested to see which names are your almost your dues of notes of players you're targeting or values you like. So well, let me tell you this. A big thing about my podcast is the fact that it's kind of – I like to make it like an evergreen, non-player-specific, strategic-focused type show. Mm-hmm. And that's also kind of how I want to answer this question. That's Because fine. I don't know that – I'm not, I'm not saying because I want to hide players, but <laughs> I don't know that – I think it's helpful to do that. Well, it is helpful to do that. I mean, like Definitely. I said, I've been 100%. listening to Dave McDonald copying everything he does. But, um, yeah um, – I think it's more generally about veterans pretty much eyeing a bounce back. I mean, that's always where there's value in these drafts. And I think I can comfortably say that. No, it's always going to happen. You know, um, people again, want the shiny new toy. They want to focus on the young guys and it, it doesn't discriminate. Like you said, it doesn't even matter if you tell them they will still do that. They're still going Mm -hmm. to draft the young guys early. And, you know, um, let me think like now there's some risk even with these guys right jd martinez comes to mind anthony rizzo comes rizzo to mind. Was now, the first one that popped in my head when you said that man this yeah, format just seems I, to be for him i have tons well yeah fan tracks especially because of the walks thing and, yeah. and that's a big thing rizzo yeah rizzo and he's a good example of um obviously cabin biggio uh, brandon nemo those are guys that are going to be much much better in fan tracks because of the obp rizzo Rizzo, I'll tell you, Rizzo, I've rostered a lot so far, but I think I need to be a little bit careful because there is some back stuff. Now, you look at his his age, he's getting, you know, getting into the 30s now. And also, it's funny, though, because people talk about him as an injury risk, but if you – he gets like 700 plate appearances a year. I mean, he's like Iron Man. He's, he's always out there. But the thing is, maybe he's playing injured. So, um, 
I have a bit, you know, it's one of those things where I, I'm wrestling with like back bounce guy, but, or yeah, bounce back guy, but also a bit of a possible risk in age, you know? Um, so yeah, JD Martinez, I, I've had a lot so far. Um, man, let me think of who else. Um, how does a Fran Mel Reyes guy? I, I have a lot of Fran Mel Reyes. I, oh, that's another thing. We talked about multi-position eligibility on the BB10s. Contrastly, utility guys are just dead, apparently. That people don't want them. You know, it's because, it, well, man, that gives me, I lack all this ability. But it's like, well, yeah, dude, but if you can get a guy who should be a top ninth round pick with a conservative projection in the 14th round. You I mean, take it. You take it. Yeah, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Fran Mill, Franimal's kind of been my poster boy for that so far. I actually love that guy. But um, yeah, so just, just stuff like that. Just, you know, little, it's usually, I, I'm sorry, but they're usually going to be old and they're usually going to be boring. But guess what? They're also usually all stars. So that's kind of generally where I am looking. Yeah. Not to, sorry. I didn't give you tons of names, but no, 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 but, but that's perfect. Cause that gave, we talked, we talked without even trying, we discussed a few names because the idea is to target mm-hmm. those types of players, which actually brings me up to guys. Like I'm talking about very late round. If you want like a last couple of hitters for your roster, how would you look at like a Miggy or a Votto? We're talking about playing. I love there. them. Yeah. I love them. I love both of them. Um, Votto, obviously, and in fan tracks is, is very valuable due to the walks. Carlos Santana to kind of go along with your yeah. point. Um, yeah. I, Mickey is very interesting. I, I, I know the dude's old and stuff like that, but he's still hitting. I mean, you he look at what he did last year. year. He had, yes, I know. And the Tigers are going to play him. They're actually an interesting little team. I don't think they're going to be good necessarily, but you hit the nail on the head. I mean, yeah, it's guys like that who it's like they're getting paid. There are still skills there. They're in the lineup. Um, you know, what's not to like here, you know, other than that they're boring, I guess. Eric Hosmer is another good example of, of boring. We're talking all first baseman somehow here, but Hosmer's yeah. another good example of kind of a boring guy who actually made some improvements to his swing and is a better hitter now, but yes. people don't care about him, I guess, because he's Eric Hosmer. It's just, you know, um, you've got to be okay with that and not need the shiny new toy. That, that's really what it comes down to. And that's usually where the value is. And that's honestly kind of like relieving to hear. Like I enjoy a format that gives some value to these players that are otherwise not valued at all in other formats. So it's a change. It's a nice change in atmosphere for me personally, because as someone who plays almost primarily Roto these days, those guys lose a lot of their, you know, their like there's really no interest there. And yeah, in, right. in these formats, so in best ball formats or other formats that, you know, maybe like points like formats, you get your value out of these old guys and it just makes it more fun. It brings, I don't know. It brings almost like it brings back a feel of like I could watch. Like, it's just, I don't know. It feels more like baseball. Like there's still value. Yeah, in these old people. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it, it's hard to explain. You know, right. I don't know if, I don't know if that makes sense. No, but. it's a little bit more like it's a tad more like, especially fan tracks because of the locks. It's a tad more like real baseball. It's yeah. like, well, these guys are valuable players, you know. That's why I've always loved to shout out to Fangraphs and their auto new fantasy product. I mean, they have like scoring settings where they're super linear weights where um, it's basically the guys who are actually good baseball players are the most valuable people. Like Mondesi, I don't even know where he would get drafted in that, but <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I'm with you. I, I like ones that actually value the good real life players. Too. And I mean, don't get me wrong, Mickey's not what he used to be. He's not great anymore. But I still think he's a mm-hmm. major league level bat, especially if he, especially Lou, he lost weight last year. He looked really good. Yeah. And I think there's still something there, but it's interesting because he's not going to be drafted outside your deepest of formats. But at least here, I think he could put up weights where he's in your lineup at, in a best ball league given, in, in a given week. You never know. Injury or yeah. – don't get me wrong, there's injury risk there too, but I think he's a good fallback option as your third. Mentioned two to three people per position. If you fall behind on first base, Miggy, Votto, those oh, – Votto is definitely a great value right now. Again, specifically yeah, – you know, And these, those two are specifically, again, uh, best ball uh, – fan tracks, best ball leagues. But yes, all right, man. Yeah, yep. Oh wait, I can't let you go. I gotta, I gotta hear some avoids real quick. A couple of just an um, overall skill set, maybe. Yeah, so similar, similar to what we're saying. I mean, like the Mondesi type guys. Um, I want to try to maybe get into something here. I guess. Um, oh, oh, okay. So for me, like older injury laden pitchers, the Nelson Lamette, I delete him from my draft board. <laughs> I'll, I'll never own him, and I'm shocked that he's still getting drafted right now. Um. Max Scherzer, um, I love him, and he could still – I love him personally. He's an awesome player. But, um, you know, still could have a good, a decent season, but I'm not really interested in drafting older pitchers that are having injuries popping up. I probably won't really have a lot of Clayton Kershaw. Again, I love these guys, and they're awesome. But, you know, his back – lower back injuries are not something to to mess around with, and they are recurring notoriously. So, um, yeah, older pitchers um, – Anybody with any hint of an elbow thing coming into this season or shoulder. Um, I, I'm yeah. not into Nolan Arenado. I don't really understand why everybody's just forgetting about the shoulder stuff and he got shut down. And I know early on in some of these uh, drafts, he was going pretty late. I think he was going like fourth or fifth round, but now I'm seeing him go in the second round again. And I'm like, well, I guess go ahead and have him, man. But there's a lot to like at third base at the top. Um, I'm I'm not really interested in Nolan Arenado. And with the trade talk, too, man, I mean, I'm a Cardinal fan, but what if he went to St. Louis? That would certainly depress his value a ton. So, um, Don't yeah, you guys have, like, a bottom five park factor park in terms of home runs or something like that? It's bottom very f- low. Yeah. yeah. It's very low. Yeah, and a, a, not a great lineup to boot in addition to that. So, hey, I like um, Goldie a lot. All right, I'm really big on Goldie this year. I agree. I don't know how we didn't mention him in that last conversation, yeah. especially well, with all the first basemen. I was say insert good first baseman here. That's what we talked about. That was a first baseman segment, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I love Goldie. He's the man. But and you are welcome um, on this podcast anytime because I am also fading Lamette. And I think it's all, but it's I feel like it's almost <laughs> is it common because we have all these analysts. I know Simeone, again, referencing him, we've shout out like five different analysts, 15 different times this podcast, but I know, uh, yeah. I know streamer is very uh, streamer as an SP streamer, not, not the, not the streamer. Uh, yeah. Anyway, SP streamer himself, he's very anti Lamette and as am yeah. I, and a lot of people are, and there's, but it's weird because everybody, there's, a, there's always at least one in every draft taking him at his ADP. Yeah. So, I don't understand. I really don't thing. understand. Clevenger was the same story. Yeah, but my thing is – That was happening to him too. Strictly with Lamette, my thing is just that I I believe the skill set. I think he's a great pitcher in terms of – at least he has that one fan. He has the best pitch in baseball right now, which allows allows the fastball, even though it's not great, to play up. I understand that. Mm -hmm. And he can be successful with two pitches. I just don't think – for me, it's all injury. It really is all injury. Exactly. It has nothing to do with his skill. Yeah, I think, you know, in – if things are going good, it'll probably be 2023 and we'll be drafting to Nelson Lamette again, maybe, I would say. But I, we'll I just, see how the I'm recovery just, is after all yeah. this. 
I just, my, my concern is he got by, but also how much of his fantastic year was because of the shortened season, because I doubt he could throw 54% sliders over a mm, full season. I, he got away with another it. good point. He got away with it over 60, what well, maybe 60 innings, 70 innings. I don't know how right, many he threw right. it, but, but so he got away with it over that short period, but over a full season, I don't think there's any way he holds up throwing that many sliders. And if you're throwing, if right. you're not throwing that many sliders, that makes your fastball as effective. Next thing you know, he's getting crushed again. The fastball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. There, that, there's really nothing my like this year. I'm <laughs> with where, you. With you 100%. Yeah, there's nothing like, but no matter how many people, including pretty much, I, honestly, a lot of people smarter than me, smarter than uh, both of us, are really yeah. like anti-Lament because of one reason or another, and people are still like not letting go, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Hey, and, yeah. if we're, and if we're wrong, I don't know about you, but I will gladly admit, hey, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, if a guy, yeah, a breakout not on my roster, I'm fine with. If, if my process was good and there was a legit reason that I didn't draft him, I, I could care less what he ends up doing. Yeah. Yeah. But all right, on that note, we'll let you get out of here. But first, of course, plug all your work, where they can find you, find your podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. The podcast is Fantasy Best Ball Exclusive. It's on every platform that I imagine anybody would use. Uh, the pod Twitter, which is just really me, is at Fantasy Best, B-A-L, the number one. I'm at Brian J. Seymour, but I don't really do much on that account. So, yeah, check it out. Um, really appreciate it. You know, we got a lot of – we have a great guest coming this Monday. I won't say who it is. I'll just kind of tease it right now. But he's one of my absolute favorite analysts in the entire fantasy baseball industry. So, Tune in Monday. The show comes out every Monday and uh, really excited about what we got in store for the rest of the off season. And I appreciate the opportunity to come on here, Mike. Good well, of stuff. course, man. Happy to have you. I'm glad you could do this. This should be an evergreen episode too. So perfect. Um, yeah, like, right. As always though, we appreciate you all listening. A five-star rating and review on your way out is greatly appreciated. Other than that, of course, we will talk to you soon. <laughs>